Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you. I love these services. I love being out there with you to get to hear all that God's doing in our people and the way he's shaping and molding us. And man, what a joy. It has been a real joy to uh, to meet so many of you in this last phase and uh, of, of our new campus and just to, uh, man, love it. I love looking around the room and seeing all you here. And uh, you're so humble. You continue to let the best seats in the house remain open. So I, I don't spit that far, a little bit. Grab your Bibles with me and turn to Romans chapter 12. I want to take a brief moment in conclusion of our service to, to, to speak the word of God and, um, and uh, direct our hearts with some focus into this new year of 2019. Um, do this at a good pace because I'm very excited about our annual meeting to follow. Uh, I want to share for, with you today from Romans chapter 12 in the message that I'm calling Love Others 2019. Uh, I want to help our church family look up, look out, and outside of us uh, to help us see where God has placed us and how he wants us to love others uh, for the sake of his name and glory. Romans chapter 12, look with me at the main bulk of the passage I want to preach through this morning, verses 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. First and foremost, we must understand that we cannot do these things that Paul is exhorting the church to do, if not for Christ's atonement to save us. For the Holy Spirit indwelling us to convict and, and mold and refine and sanctify us. And for God's grace, just enabling us to, to live out his sacrificial love. It's critical that we see in our passage today uh, that it is linked to the opening words of this chapter. Look with me at, chapter, at Romans 12, 1 through 3. This is a key turning point in the letter to the Romans. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by God's grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It is God's mercy, Paul says, that gives us the will and the power to love others the way he calls us to in this chapter. So when the apostle calls us to, to do these things that we're seeing here in verse 14 through 21, we have to remember and not forget 
He understands that it's God's grace, His mercy at work in us and through us that enables us to live this way. The result of God's work in us is found in verse 9, when He simply says, Let love be genuine. A, A real, authentic overflow of who you are in Christ not just a religious work to do that you, that you muster up, but the, but the reality of transformation and the work of God in and through you so that it is genuine. There's an outpouring of authentic love that God produces in us for the sake of the gospel and the work He has called us to in this time and space. Three pillars that our church is built on that we would be enjoying God growingly, that He would be our treasure that we'd be growing within community, and that we would be loving others. So how do we love others sacrificially in 2019? Number one, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4.8 We must know God. We must know what true love is. Who is God? If we're going to love genuinely and love sacrificially. Second, we love because He first loved us. 1 John 4.19 It's the only way we really will do this is because we are loved by God and His grace. The overflow of knowing God and being loved and saved by Him is a love for others. This is the only way we will love people in the situations that Paul lays out in verses 14 through 21. Look with me closer at these verses. Number one, in verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Think about that. People persecuting you are coming at you. They're actively looking to to do you wrong, to speak of you wrong, to see ill of you. The biblical principle is that Christians who are walking in Christ will love those not deserving love. Our enemies those who come against us, that we will love them in a way that would point them to God. This is what God did for us. We were His true enemies when Christ died for us. Actively against Him. Actively looking for glory to be ours and not His. Romans 5.10, For if while you were enemies... We're reconciled to God by his death of his son. Much more now are we reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So the call to bless and not curse those who are against us is rooted in our gospel identity that sets us free. Jesus spoke to this specifically in Luke 6, verse 32 through 35. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you will expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Think about how countercultural that is. That you would give to someone who's going to be ungrateful. I mean, some of your skin's crawling just even thinking about that. Right? I know I struggle with that. Or, or, or to give generously to people who are evil. 
Again, hear this clearly. You and I do not do this on our own strength. Loving our enemies is only genuine if it's the overflow of a life in Christ, of God flowing in and through us. His love, His supernatural love at work in and through us. Look at verse 15, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Love others means we have empathy for people by meeting them where they're at, is essentially what this is saying. I don't only love them when they get to where I want them to be. I love them where they're at. Now, you might say, it's easy to rejoice with others. It's the weeping part that's hard. Well, I would actually say that we probably struggle with the, the former as well. Sometimes it's easier for us to love um, the heartbroken or the downcast and the lowly and harder for us to love the rich and the successful. We must see that both can be lost in sin and desperate for Jesus in the same way. Understand that it's a real mark of Christian maturity when we can rejoice with those who are doing well without, because without Christ changing our hearts, our natural response to these situations is often pride and jealousy. We can honestly struggle to rejoice with people who are blessed or, or given some kind of great resolve because we're struggling with the sin of pride or jealousy against them. So we don't genuinely rejoice with them. We stand in judgment. And that's the call that calls upon us to let the love of God move through. When God has given someone wealth or talent or some other provision, it can be difficult sometimes to authentically rejoice with them because our selfish heart says, what about me? Make it personal. How have you resented someone else in seeing them experience victory and success or relief when you have not experienced that? In the same way, do you see your flesh motivating feelings and then affecting how you love them or not? God's love causes us to rejoice with others no matter where we stand. What about the other side of the coin? It's common religious response to people who are hurting or struggling in a religious response to look down on them and to say, yeah, that lowly position that you're in, that hardship you're facing, you deserve that with your lack of good stewardship of your life. To keep our empathy and pity to ourselves because they don't deserve to have people join them in crying over something that they selfishly or purposely pursued. This can play out in subtle ways in our lives. When you see a homeless guy, you see a woman whose attire or location may seem to show that she's working. When you see a group of people from another religion or ethnicity interact in a way that you don't get or understand when you see people who claim other political priorities how are you loving these people Romans 12 3 for by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think but with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith God has assigned only by God's grace is my heart changed to then look at others differently rightly, to have sober judgment over them, to not elevate myself in position where I can feel like I'm better than they are. This affects the way we love people. Paul builds on this in verse 16. Look with me, Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Love others equals loving people who are not like you. People who don't think like you, who don't act like you, dress like you. People who are outcasts, who have really messed their lives up. This is what Jesus modeled for us, is it not? He was constantly rebuked by the religious elite for hanging out with people in that culture who were considered outcasts, rejects, people that you wouldn't want to associate with, sinners and tax collectors and the lowly and lepers, showing compassion to a prostitute in Luke 7, just to name a few. If ever we say, I'm not going to waste my time on that rebellious, unbelieving man, we've potentially lost the true meaning of, of God's love. Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Love others means your heart is moving to being other-centered and no longer self-centered. Selfishness and hurt often equal in us revenge to make things even. Christ in us, though, fuels forgiveness and peacemaking. The forgiveness we experienced on the cross when we didn't deserve it. Only in this are we able to reject revenge. How often have you fallen in this place of leveling someone so quickly with judgment or seeking to make it even, realizing later your sin in this? We, we must see that all that does is creates more hurt. One of my favorite stories that illustrates this this way, and while some of you adults have heard it a number of times, maybe this one's for the kids. It's really for you. But <laughs> While waiting at the airport terminal for her plane, to begin boarding, a woman sat reading a newspaper. Earlier, she had purchased a package of cookies at the airport snack shop to eat when she got on the plane. Out of the corner of her eye, she noticed the man sitting next to her was eating a cookie. She looked down and noticed her package of cookies was opened, sitting on the seat in between them, and the man was eating them. The woman couldn't believe that the man would have such nerve to eat her cookies. She wouldn't lose all of her cookies to the man, so she slowly reached over and took a cookie and ate it herself. To her amazement, the man continued to eat more cookies. Getting more and more irritated, the woman removed all but one of the cookies and ate them. At that point, the man reached down and took the last cookie. And before eating it, he broke it in half and left half for the woman and ate the half he kept. This made the woman so angry, she grabbed the empty package and stuffed it down into her purse. To her shock, within her purse, she felt her bag of cookies. Can you imagine his perspective? This this lady needs cookies more than I do. Romans 12, 17. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Church, we need to be better at giving the benefit of the doubt. To realize the way something is perceived is not always what it is. And when it's wrong or evil or wicked, we need to turn not to evil, to repay evil for evil. To turn to our flesh, to long to make things even, but to love 
In love and truth, we need to bring accountability and healing. Evil is God dishonoring. Righteousness is God honoring. We are to be a righteous people who do good and not evil. In this, we honor God and put his name high. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. To love others is to pursue peace. Now it says, as it depends on you, this is because it takes two to have a relationship. So the part of the relationship that you can influence needs to be a pursuit of peace. This doesn't mean that you will have peace with everyone, again, because they could stir things up or continue to come against you. I think this is why Paul in particular says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. On this note, look at verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for his written vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Only God can move other people's hearts. You have to, we have to trust his judgment, his justice. And the execution of his wrath as he determines. This rails against our flesh at times. Because often we just want to be defensive. We want to, we want to have self-defense. We want to push back. But we need to learn to trust God more. In Christ we do something contrary to our nature. We show love and do not fight back when offended. A person may ask, don't I have the right to stick up for my rights? And to answer that, I would say sometimes the act of defending oneself or another is an act of love. But the supernatural work of Christ through us means that many times the answer is no. You don't defend yourself. You set the relationship on a different course by loving them in return. Christ's love in and through us means we won't fight back. We don't have to be right We get to love others and point them to the gospel. That's our highest call. Romans 12, 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Love others equals loving your enemy the way God loved us when we were his enemies. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. This is why loving others is to be an outgrowth of what God has done in and through us. The Bible says the vengeance Christians can inflict, the only vengeance Christians can inflict on others is red-hot coals of love. This part of verse 20 is odd if left alone, but it makes sense if we understand uh, that it's a quote from Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. If your enemy is hungry, it says, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The coals on the head in that economy of old is a referral to a ritual in Egypt in which a person showed repentance by carrying a pan of hot burning coals, charcoal, on their head. So when we respond in love and not hate, we can cause the other person to repent of their actions and trust how God will be at work in their judgment. Love is the only antidote for hate. When the Christian loves his enemies, We are either melted into repentance or hardened even more. It is up to God how they respond. It's not up to us. It's between them and the Lord. We are simply called to let love move, to love others. 
Look at Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcoming evil with good, Paul is saying that our personal relationships with the world, the cycle of evil, can only be broken with good. The key to overcoming evil is to employ the good of Christ that is at work in all of us. The cycle of evil can only be overcome by overcoming it with good. The answer is not politics. It's heart transformation that equals life transformation. The only way that happens is when the redeemed are overcoming evil with good. The gospel testimony God's given us. My prayer for this local family of God is that we continue to grow in our affections to God and enjoying Him. That we press into each other in true community that consistently helps us grow in Christ, growing within community. And the fruit of that growth of Christ in us, changing us from the inside out, transforms us at our core, our character, causing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, to reign in our lives, to pour out of us so that we genuinely love others, not in our flesh, but Christ through us. You can't just go try hard to love people you don't like. We must employ all three of these. Jesus being our growing treasure, growing within community, and the outgrowth of his transformation in us to produce genuine love. We love because he first loved us. This is the love of God that's made manifest in the flesh, perfect life and sacrificial, substitutional death of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray you would lean in today. I pray you would truly ask those who brought you or invited you here or some of our leaders, what does it mean for me to lay down my life and truly trust Jesus as Lord? What is this transformation I'm hearing about all morning really mean for me? How can this be my reality? We, the church, the redeemed, the born again, are the people that God's called to, to be this light of God's love and the gospel. So what does this look like for you in 2019? In closing, this June, I will celebrate 20 years in pastoral ministry. God has done a lot in and through me in the last two decades, including a lot of reform in me and in our church, as you've heard from Maryland, the last decade especially. One of the biggest things that needed reform in us was a reform from the modern church's idea of how we are to love others. For many modern churches, this is done through church-wide corporate efforts. We set up opportunities to go to the park and feed the homeless or to pick up trash one day. And in this, the church gets used to doing these formalities every so often and checking a box to say, oh yeah, we're active in our community by doing these event-based corporate things. But when we study scripture, we see something very much more organic and personal. We see the different passions and gift mixes and schedules the local body of Christ has. Therefore, we are to love others in many different ways. So that this has become our passion here at Disciples Church. The biblical priority is for us as shepherds to teach you and equip you in the Word of God. To equip you to do the work of the ministry. To partner with you parents in the raising and the mentoring of your children in the Lord. To help you mature in Christ so that the love of God and the testimony of the gospel overflows through you. Each of us are different, given different skills, different passions, placement in our city, in different neighborhoods, jobs and schools. The worst thing we could do 
is draw you all together into one place and call that good enough. We have aimed to do much less of that, but to encourage you out of the overflow of Christ at work in you to identify those ways that you can love and serve others in your gift mix, in your neighborhoods, in your passions. We best love others in the overflow of the Lord at work in us. This is how the gospel mobilizes us. This is how the love of the Lord is made manifest to those around us. For some of you, it has meant volunteering at the homeless shelter or at the mission. For others, the pregnancy center or the VA. For others, foster care or adoption as of orphans. For others, tutoring or volunteering at hospitals. And the list goes on and on. Church, in what ways will the love of God move and mobilize through you into those God has put around you in 2019? In what ways are you guilty of making your days and your weeks just about you? In what ways do you need to be more ready to love others, those, God that, put, those that God puts in your path, discovering your passions and volunteering and serving those in our community with the love of the Lord and the gospel? Are you content, too content, to love our church and attend regularly, but hardly share that love with others or invite others? Church, may the love of God be manifest in and through us in 2019. May our church be known for the love of God at work in our lives sacrificially as we love our enemies and those in need of love and care. Those who have messed their lives up or are lost in sin. Amen? May the love and truth of God make its way through us, into our city, into our culture, and beyond in 2019. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time together in your word to be encouraged in this new beginning of 2019 to consider what you have for us, what you've called us to, and to convict and, sh- and shape us and, and, and challenge us to live out what you've given us, to not keep it to ourselves selfishly, but to share it with others, to be willing to risk, to be willing to be made fun of and and even chastised because they need the good news more than we need to feel safe or secure in a given situation. Help our identity, Lord, to be in you, our, our confidence to be in the work of the Holy Spirit, that your words would move in and through us, that our joy in the Lord would be seen and manifest, and that you would continue to transform lives all around. We love you, God. We thank you for real life change that's happening, and we are excited for what's ahead. Hear us, Lord, as we sing out to you, as we hail your name as King of kings and Lord of lords, and prepare uh, for our annual meeting together and a great lunch to break bread together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.